Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Epistle of John, and we're going to be looking at um, the uh, same passage that we looked at uh, last week. Now, <laughs> you might think this uh, a little funny. Uh, so last week, uh, after the church was over with, and we, we got in the car, you know, had everything packed up, Cheryl says to me, she says, well, you, you were a little off today. <laughs> and I said, oh? <laughs> He said, yeah, you, you, <laughs> you seem distracted or something. <laughs> so I thought, well, we, uh, I guess we better do this one over. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was having, I was having trouble reading the, uh, uh, the hymns for, for some reason. Every now and then, you know, uh, it, it's harder to see. Uh, but uh, we do, in fact, uh, we can't get uh, distracted uh, from time to time. But... Uh, today, we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 29. And let me get my, uh, my Bible out here. But we, we don't want to rush through, so we're going to take our time going through uh, this, this passage and taking our time going through uh, this particular book because there's so much to see here. And the title of, of the message today is Do Not Love the World. Do Not Love the World. And, and last week we talked about what the world in this passage represents. It doesn't represent the created order, this material world that God has created and given to us as a gift in which to live. As a matter of fact, over in the book of Genesis, he, he gave the human race the responsibility for caring for this world in which we live. Now, you can go to an extreme in, in that sense, but we should be responsible in terms of how we, how we live in God's created order and what we do to contribute. Amen? But... Here in this passage, when, when the Apostle John uses the term world, he's referring to that attitude of mind and heart, that, that position that is against God, that rejects the idea of God. 
that rejects the fact of God, that rejects the love of God, and the message of God that he sent his son to redeem humanity, that is to buy back. You remember long ago they used to have those stamps, right? And you could, you could redeem, that is you could purchase, or you could, you could buy things with the value of those stamps. Well, all of creation belongs to God. But the human race chose to disobey. And when the human race chose to disobey, they became fallen or in a state of sin and needed to be redeemed. And so God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for our sin. Now, he points out the worldly priorities. And these are new to you, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that, that word lust, the cravings, if you will, the desire. And we've mentioned before that businesses, businesses, they, they prey on the cravings and the desires of people, don't they? They create those ads and advertisements. And they, they want you to believe that you need their product because their product will make you happier. <laughs> It'll make you feel healthier. It'll make you look younger, all of those things. Isn't that right? And you see, they base their advertisements on the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The pride of life boasting about accomplishments. We mentioned the rich fool. And then the lust of the eyes. We mentioned Gehazi, who was the servant of Elisha, the prophet. And after that occasion where Elisha told Naaman, the Syrian general, how he could have his leprosy washed away in the muddy river Jordan, and eventually he went and did that. And the general wanted to reward the prophet for this, this great healing, but he, Elisha said, nah, you know, not interested. But then Gehazi, he got to thinking about, oh, wait, wait a minute now. <laughs> and he went after the general, and he told the lie so that he could get some reward. And the reward that he received was he was struck with leprosy. And here's the other devastating part. It was not only Gehazi, but Elisha said, because of the greed of his heart, that leprosy would be the curse upon all of his descendants as well. You've heard that saying, sin will keep you longer than you ever plan to stay, and it will cost you more than you ever intended to pay. Sin is real, and that's what God, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle John, was teaching the Christians in the first century, and all through the last 20 centuries, and in this century, that sin is real. It's real in the life of, of humanity, but there's hope, just like the song that, that Miss Ginger played. But there's love 
the love of God. And so let's read this, this passage in John chapter 2 and beginning at verse 14. Or 15, excuse me. Get my glasses out here. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who, practice right, who practices righteousness is born of him. So the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, those are the priorities of the world. But the scripture goes on to say that the world is passing away. And the Antichrist is coming, and we mentioned that that's a subject for another time. But we do know that he is going to come as a world leader. And the world is eventually going to worship this man. But he is anti-Christ. But John goes on to tell us that many antichrists have come already. Now let me read something here that was shared in Sunday school. And that was a fabulous Sunday school lesson that we had uh, this morning. And we thank... Brother Roger and Miss Darlene for their faithfulness in, in their preparation and in sharing the Lord's Word. But uh, Brother Jerry uh, shared this with us because part of our lesson had to do with, with false teachers. And all through the Scripture, and in, in the New Testament especially, but, but also throughout the, the Old Testament, the warnings against false prophets and false teachers, deceivers. The Reverend Jim Jones, 
You probably have heard of him. Right? Received the Martin Luther King Jr. Now notice this. He received the Martin Luther King Jr. Humanitarian Award about two years before leading his followers to commit the largest mass suicide in history. False deceivers, antichrists, people who, who persuade others, either through their, this, this dynamic personality or the way that they speak, their looks, whatever the case might be, they teach that which is false, and instead of, instead of exalting and lifting up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in truth, they create their own kingdoms. They create their own followings. And in the end, lead people to tragic outcomes. The Branch Davidians in Waco, Texas. The various cults in the West Coast, up in Oregon and Washington, and you name it, all across America, and not just in America, but around the world. That is why we as God's children need to ensure that we study his word personally, individually, consistently at home, and are also a part of a Bible-believing, Christ-honoring church where the Lord Jesus Christ is exalted. And that is guided and empowered and illuminated by God the Holy Spirit to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on and he says, the last hour, we're closer than ever before. With each passing day, we're closer and closer to the rapture of the church and to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice what he says. He says that that there were those who were among them, and, and scholars debate whether these people who were the false teachers and deceivers were the, were, are referred to as Judaizers, those who were teaching that in addition to knowing Christ as Savior, that people also had to keep the law to truly be saved. And that is false. That is false. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about righteousness. And it's a righteousness that is imputed to us, that is given to us, bestowed upon us by the grace of God as a result of the sacrificial death of Christ Jesus upon the cross. We've said this many times. God loves us with a perfect love. A perfect love. And his love is not based upon our worthiness. Because guess what? We are not worthy. No one is worthy of God's love. But God sent his son because he loves us with a perfect love. And there is nothing that anyone can do that will cause God to love them any more than he already loves them. Nor any less. Because his love is perfect. And his love is 
free. But to, to know his love and to experience that love and the joy that comes from knowing that love, one must accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He is the only Savior. Amen? Amen. The Bible teaches that there is no other name given among men under heaven, amen, by which we must be saved. No one else. There is no other way. Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes into the Father except through me. There is no other Savior. You can't, you can't earn your way to heaven. And these false teachers were teaching that, well, yes, you, you need to know Jesus, but you also need to do this. And you also need to do this. And you need to do this, etc., etc., etc. And anybody who tells you that is a false teacher. Because it is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Amen. And so, the doctrine of the apostles, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error... He says, we have an anointing. You have an anointing from the Holy One. The Holy One is God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit, this, this anointing, He lives and He dwells within us, and He illuminates our understanding. God is the God of light. And, and Jesus said, when He came into the world, that men loved darkness rather than the light. And they would not come to the light. And why not? Because their deeds were evil. And if they came to the light, their deeds would be exposed. But he who loves the light comes to the light. And that light is the Lord Jesus Christ, is the light of light. Amen. The light of light. We have the Holy One. God the Holy Spirit. And we refer to God the Holy Spirit also as the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of the Father. Because you can't have the Father without the Son. And you can't have the Son without the Father. And you can't have the Father and the Son without God the Holy Spirit. You follow? You can't. There are those who, who, who you know, uh, want to, to divide them up. You know, God is one. God is one. But he's revealed himself in three distinct persons as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so correct theology is, is so important. Now, the cults, like all the false teachers, they want you to believe that, that they have a, a special corner or market on the truth. That they have some, some secret you know, information that no one else possesses. And that unless you join their group or, or listen to them, well, your Christianity just isn't complete. But who makes our Christianity complete? Amen. Jesus, right? It's the Lord who makes us complete. And no human being is complete without Christ. You say, what? Yes. Without Christ in your life, you are incomplete. But with him in your life, you're complete. And the salvation, that gift of salvation that he's given to us is a perfect salvation. We 
walking here upon earth, we're not perfect, but our God is perfect. Amen? Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ is perfect. There are those who refuse to acknowledge that Jesus is God. Again, the false teachers teach, no, he's, he's not God. He's, he's a son of God like, like you and me and the rest of us are sons and daughters of God. No, absolutely not. He is God the Son. The Bible says, Emmanuel, God with us. The Bible says that, that God came in the fullness of time. He sent his son to be born of a virgin. Conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, he walked upon the earth as a man because he is the God-man and he is perfect. Correct theology is so important. And now, to that last point that we didn't get to last week. Tremendous promise that he's given to us. And the Bible is full of promises. And here's the amazing thing. The Bible teaches that, that all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? Every promise in the scripture we can actually claim in Christ. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean, oh, if I want a Rolls Royce, then all of a sudden that Rolls Royce is going to show up out there in my driveway. No, that, that's not what that means. Okay? And when Jesus said, ask anything in my name, that, you, that you'll have it, he wasn't saying, well, if I pray for a billion dollars, that it's going to show up in my bank account tomorrow. No. You see, to ask in the name of the Lord Jesus, and to ask in the name of the Lord, is to ask according to his will, according to his nature, according to his purpose, according to his desire, not only for my own life, but for the lives of others or the life of the church. We're to pray according to his will. He's promised us eternal life. Now stop for a moment and think about that. Here's the wonderful promise. This body, yes, is going to die. And aren't you glad that you're going to get rid of this body one day? <laughs> it, it served us well for, for a time, amen? For some in here, 80, some 90, some 70, some 60, some less than that, okay? Friday we were celebrating my birthday at home and my little granddaughter said, but did you wish for 120 years? <laughs> you know, before I blew out the candle. <laughs> and that's a Jewish thing. They'll say, may you be blessed with 120. <laughs> From the book of Genesis. Amen. But even if we lived 120 years, what is 120 years compared to or with eternity? Forever. Forever and ever and ever. And yet people will give up eternity for here. For 50 years, some 40 years, some 75, some 92 or 110. The gospel message, he says, 
You've known the message from the beginning. Now, what is that message? And we looked at the gospel, what the gospel actually contains on Wednesday. But we have time here, so let's, let's do this. Because if someone were to ask you this question, what is the gospel? What does the gospel actually contain? Well, that word gospel is an Anglo-Saxon term. You remember from days gone by, the, the, the Anglos and the Saxons, etc., over in Europe? And in its basic definition, it means good news. So like the kid on the street corner, right? right? Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it, read all about it. Yes, here's the good news. God loves us, and he's promised us eternal life. But, so, John... John chapter 3. Now the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, and you, you know this verse. John chapter 3 and verse 16. I'm going to put my specs back on here. So we're going to read through verse 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, now here's the part that, that so many fail to, to continue reading. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Notice that. Christ didn't come to condemn. It's not the desire of God to condemn. And yet, so many of people who call themselves God's people love to condemn. We're not to condemn, but to pray for the salvation and serve in such a way that we bring the message of God's love to lost people. He says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. God sent his son into the world because he loves humanity and he wants us to be saved. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthian believers, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, verse 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, see it there, which I preach to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, 
and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve, after that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, then last of all he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. There are those who, who say, how can, you, how can you accept this idea that Christ rose up from the dead? They say, how do we know that, that the disciples weren't, weren't lying about it? And I dare say that there are many Christians who are completely unaware of this passage right here because they've never read it. To know that, that Christ not only appeared to, to the apostles, but he appeared to many of those who believed in him. And here it says, to more than 500 brethren at once. And we know that if there were brethren, there had to be some sister in there too. Okay? You follow? That's why after the resurrection, he remained on earth for some 40 days so that there was no doubt in their minds that this was Jesus Christ who had been crucified, who died and was buried, rose up again, and was in fact alive. We serve a risen Savior. And for 40 days, he showed that he was alive, that it was he Christ Jesus, the Son of God. This is the gospel. Born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, perfect, died upon the cross, shedding his blood. For the Bible teaches without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That was the price required by God the Father. And that was the price that was paid. After 40 days, he ascended back to the Father, where he sits at the right hand of power, and one day he is coming again. But as we read there in John chapter 3, for God so loved the world. And the, the word world there is cosmos. All of creation belongs to him, and he loves it. And he has given it to us as a gift. But all this that we see here, one day is going to be burned up and God is going to give us a new heaven and a new earth. Imagine, pristine, glorified. Now what does it mean to abide in the Lord Jesus Christ? Loving him, keeping his word, living for him. Now, you're there in, in the Gospel of John. Turn to, to uh, chapter 13. And again, I encourage you to write, to write these passages down. John chapter 13. I have too many notes in my Bible. John chapter 13. And beginning at verse 31, notice. So when he had gone out, Jesus said, 
Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also, also glorify him in himself, and glorify him immediately. Little children. Now notice, notice the term, little children. It's a term unique to the, to the writings of the Apostle John. Okay? Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one for another. And then John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and beginning at verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. You notice, to abide in the Lord. And, and the Apostle John, here in this book, also says a person who, who says that they're walking in the light, and we turn back to the epistle, yet hates his brother, how then can he say that the love of God abides in him if he's hating his brother? We're to love one another as God loves us. To abide in the Lord Jesus Christ is to live according to his word. But we don't live according to his word to be saved. You see, we don't, we don't fulfill the, the requirements of the law to be saved. No. But we keep the command of the Lord. And what are the commandments of the Lord? Really, there are two. Aren't there? Just really two. To love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. You see, because if, if we love God, we're not going to be worshiping something else. We're not going to be making idols and, and those kinds of things. We're going to be consistent in our church worship and in our, in our Christian lives. And if we love one another, we love our neighbors, we're not going to be stealing from them. Right? Thou shalt not steal. We're not going to be immoral. Thou shalt not commit adultery. We're not going to be coveting. Thou shalt not covet. Right? All of those things. We're going to be truthful. Thou shalt not bear false witness. And here's something else, too. We're going to love our parents. 
We're to love and to honor our fathers and our mothers. All the days of our life. Those are the commandments that are wrapped up in those two commands. To love God and to love our neighbor. That is how we abide in him. And then he says, do not be deceived. And we've already talked about that. False teachers, those who trash the Bible. Oh, and they're all over the country, are they not? And all over the world. In the schools of higher learning, as they like to refer to themselves. The colleges. And oh my goodness, things have become so tragic in America. And this last one. Jesus is coming back. Jesus will return. Now I want to read that, that I've read it every week. Give your heart, your life, your past, your present, and your future to the Lord Jesus Christ today and be forgiven, restored, saved. God promises his paradise for those who love him. The last passage that I want to read, and you can turn there or you can just listen to me read it, comes from Revelation. Chapter 22, this is Jesus himself speaking. Chapter 22 and verse 12, Jesus says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. I, Jesus, have sent by an angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And then over to verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Jesus is coming. We're going to sing hymn of invitation. As we sing, you make your commitment to the Lord to accept him as Savior <coughs> pardon me to join his church here to commit your life to serving him let's stand please and as we sing you make your commitment We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.